You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. We're, we're on our runway right now. We're actually doing development. So that's, uh, as we do that, we're reducing the timeline to production. So, uh, you know, if we get our debt facility in place by May, June, I think we will still be in pretty good uh, shape for us to be able to uh, make production in 2020. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers, and I am at PDAC 2020, and I'm catching up with Mr. Kevin Drover. He's the president and CEO of Arcana Resources. The website is arcana.com. That's A-U-R-C-A-N-A.com. Ticker symbol in Toronto is A-U-N. And in New York, you can find it under the ticker A-U-N-F-F. I recently participated in the private placement that was just closed. Uh, have um, much expectation for the company's progression as they bring the revenue Virginia's mine hopefully into production this year. That mine is the highest grade silver mine in the world in terms of proven and probable reserves. It's located in Colorado. So Kevin, thank you for joining me again. And how about you give us an update on this financing? How much did you raise? What's the significance? Hey, good to be here, Bill. Um, we just uh, closed the uh, the financing, uh, the second uh, tranche of the uh, of the latest one in, uh, in we started in January. Uh, looks like the total will come in about uh, just uh, right around six million. Uh, and that's way oversubscribed from the four million that we initially went to the market with. So since um, uh, September, when we we started out to get the equity piece that we needed for the uh, the project revenue, Virginia's mine, we've now pretty much got uh, fifteen million in the door, and uh, it's uh, it's gone reasonably well. And that fifteen million is being used currently towards that initial, I believe, thirty-seven million of capex needed to bring the mine into production. Yes, that's correct. Uh, we're focused now on on the revenue Virginia's, the Virginia's North that we announced uh, some time ago, which is the first phase of uh, getting up to the very high grade portion in the Mahognahila. Uh, and the idea being is that we would get up into the upper uh, uh, zones where the highest grade is, and it's some 50, 60 ounces per ton up in that area. But as we, we, we um, um, get the raises completed, we're going up to an area of inferred resources to, to get to that area. And we hope to convert those uh, into uh, M&I resource and add about two years of mine life, we think, to the, uh, to the project. So we'd be looking at eight years of mine life to start off when hopefully we'll be producing by the end of this year? That's correct. We're focused on, on uh, getting ourselves into production in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, that's what we're working toward right now. Uh, the, uh, the conversion of that inferred area should take us to about eight and a half years with those added two years. We got six and a half years of, uh, of proven and probable reserves as it stands right now, and we would hope to add two more years to that. So you did this equity raise, but you also said in our last interview that you're looking at a debt facility for the remainder of the necessary capex. But I think it's important for the listeners to know that you're currently on that runway to production with the financing in September and the financing that was just closed. But can you give us a little more information, uh, whatever you can publicly share now about this debt facility you're looking into? Yes. Well, of course, the equity piece is an important part of that debt piece. Uh, we need to get that done. Um, we are in discussions with 
with a number of uh, very reputable uh, debt providers. Uh, of course, I can't say too much about that, uh, but we are in discussions with, uh, with a number of them, and we certainly hope to be able to get our debt facility in place. Uh, right now at the RV mine, we, we have one full crew that's, uh, that's in fact uh, up and running, and we're producing, uh, uh, doing development work that we need to do. Um, as of today, we're, we're starting to add three more crews. Uh, so we'll be uh, we'll be going full tilt ahead in terms of starting our development work underground. And I suppose that would speak to your confidence level because you're kind of known as a cost cutter and a, a slasher. So if you're ramping up the further <laughs> development, you feel good about the, your prospects of closing the debt deal. I certainly do. Uh, you know, it's not done till it's done. But uh, like I say, we are we are going down that path with a number of very reputable people, and uh, we certainly hope to get that done in the near future. After our first interview, I had some feedback from listeners, and one of the concerns was regarding the revenue of Virginia's mine, and the objection was, well, if the last operator couldn't succeed, how is Arcana going to succeed? What would you like to share with the investors listening to us regarding this? Well, I think there's two things uh, that uh, that uh, became problems for the previous operator. Uh, one was the mining method that they used. They chose to go in with a shrinkage mining method. Uh, which um, is is highly dilutive to the uh, to the ore body itself. As you know, this is a very narrow vein mine. It's about one and a half feet is the is the mining width of the, of the vein itself. Uh, so that was one thing. The, the, the problem with the shrinkage method is the the amount of development that is required to sustain that. Uh, geotechnically, uh, it creates some problems, and you can't uh, you you have to have smaller stopes as opposed to the Rissou mining method, which is really a modified cut and fill, um, and that's what we're using. Uh, the the Rissou mining method is uh, geotechnically, it's much more stable. We can have much larger stopes, 500 feet by 300 feet, as opposed to shrinkage where it's more or less like uh, 100 feet by 100 feet, So, which means that you've got way more development than we would have under the Rissou mining method. So I think that is a very big difference. The Rissou mining method, some people say, well, this is an untested method. In fact, it's not. It's the, probably the original mining method. It's the method that was used particularly in this mine in, by the A.J. Reynolds family for 36 years when it ran from 1876 up to 1916, I believe. It was all done with the Rissou method, and they were profitable every year that they operated that mine. The second thing I think that the previous operator, uh, they went into this, I believe, undercapitalized and uh, in, in, in a narrow vein mining environment when you don't have enough money, you tend not to get your development far enough out in front of you. Uh, and that's kind of the kiss of death in, in these types of mines. You have to have your, your development far enough in front of you that you can produce on a consistent basis. If your production is bumping up against your development, uh, that's going to be a problem for you for sure. So I, I think those two things, uh, the mining method they chose uh, and the, uh, the undercapitalized nature of, of the company at that particular time, were two of the predominant problems that led to their demise. And prior to this restart, you did do a feasibility study. So the testing of this method, I'm sure, was done as part of this feasibility? Yes. As, in, as a matter of fact, SRK did the, uh, the feasibility study, SRK out of Denver. Um, they, uh, they tested the, uh, the uh, mining method. Uh, the, it was a full technical crew that was brought on by Lascaux uh, Resource Capital at that particular time. Um, they did uh, four different runs uh, test mining to prove 
the the uh, Risu mining method, uh, along with the uh, you know the the, uh, the proving it up that the method was in fact good. They also developed their productivities for the feasibility study. They developed their dilution profile for the feasibility study. We. Uh, subsequent to that, we did sensitivities on dilution, on productivities, what effect those things would have on cost, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, those sensitivities proved to be very uh, minor. Uh, you, you can have excessive dilution. Because the mill is designed for 500 tons a day, our mining rate is only designed for 270 tons a day. So even if you had more dilution, which I don't think we will get uh, from the, the work that I've seen, um, uh, the mill can handle the added uh, um, uh, throughput. Uh, and, and from a productivity perspective, we, we are looking at using five-man crews in our stopes. Even if we ran um, scenarios of up to eight uh, and, and ten people in our uh, stopes, and the, the effect on productivity, the, the effect being it, it, it adds a couple of dollars per ounce. So it goes from $8 an ounce to $10 an ounce uh, in terms of... Um, of uh, all-in sustaining costs kind of thing. So uh, I think that the mining method that we used, uh, the, the, the fact that we tested this, uh, we know how it works. We need good people for this. And that's, that's one of the things that we do. We have to get good people. Uh, but we, we know where to find those. So you're not concerned about cost overruns then with uh, the proposed $37 million CapEx from when you initially announced to production. You're confident that this number that we put out there will get us to production. I'm always concerned about cost overruns. <laughs> um, you know, you've got to manage those things. It's like anything else. Uh, we believe that we've got enough, uh, you know, wiggle room in that $37 million to get ourselves to production without exceeding that. But it's, it's all about cost control at the end of, day, of the day. Uh, we just recently hired uh, a new general manager for down there, um, a gentleman by the name of uh, Mike Lee. Mike is well known in the in the business and uh, got a lot of experience with uh, narrow vein mining and uh, has been doing this a very long time, and he's worked for such companies as as Coor and and uh, I believe Ecla as well and uh, and companies like that. So he, he we brought him online in preparation for the 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 startup of the development plan and so on. I will be moving uh, down to the site as, as well. Um, probably sometime late March. So that our focus is going to be solely on getting this thing into production. That's where our efforts are going to be. We'll get our debt facility in place. We've raised our equity. Uh, and, you know, execution is the next uh, step here. Your feasibility study says that the mill will be at 60% capacity. At what point do you plan to increase that? Well, you know, we you know we still have some work to do on that, but yeah, the mill is a 500 ton a day mill. Um, the, the planned uh, throughput is uh, 270 tons per day, so I think that's about 60 percent. Um, the first thing that we want to do is is you know attain the feasibility parameters, which is you know the 270 tons a day. We want to get our our uh, recoveries in the mill. We want to get our productivities in the stopes. Uh, we want to get those cost profiles uh, and so on um, um, solid. We want to make sure that we've achieved those. Once we've done that, probably in the second year, uh, we can looking, look at filling the mill. So we, we would need to develop additional stopes in order to increase the throughput. But we have the capability of doing that. We have the strike length on our, our Virginia's vein is extensive, well over uh, 15,000 feet. So it's, it's really to develop out laterally and to increase the, um, 
that throughput. A, a, a second means of um, increasing throughput as well is we've done some work on uh, dense media separation uh, or sorting, basically. And the, the preliminary work that we've seen suggests that, you know, we can um, discard about in excess of 60% of, of the, the uh, rock uh, with only minor losses, about two and a half to three percent metal losses, which means that if you wanted to go higher than the 500 tons per day, you put an ore sorter in in front of the uh, um, of the milling circuit itself, and you could conceivably, without too much work, you could actually increase the tonnage much higher than 500 tons a day. The mill will only see a maximum of 500, but uh, you could actually mine more than that out of the stopes, uh, sort it and you put a higher grade into the mill, basically. So that's another um, avenue that we have to organically grow uh, our production uh, at this particular mine. My understanding is that that first year of production should beat the average grade and annual product forecasted production that's laid out in the feasibility. Can you talk about this? Yeah, well, our, our um, production profile is designed to uh, pull grade ahead, uh, in the early years so that we can pay off any debt that we have uh, rather quickly. So we're going to be going into the mine and the, and the Mahognahila up in the, the, the 600, 900 um, uh, levels, those stopes that are up in the, the, in the upper portion are the highest grade. And they run 50, 60 ounces per ton, even higher than that, actually. So our intention is we're going to pull that ahead in the first couple of years so uh, that uh, we, we very quickly be able to, will be able to... Um, uh, repay any debt uh, that we have. What are you going to do to increase the life of the mine efficiently? Is it, did you just touch on that, or is there anything more to be said about that? Oh, I, I think there's a lot more to be said. I, it's uh, you know when you look at this, pretty much uh, most of our reserves that we have, we do have some reserves on the uh, on a couple of the other veins, but the majority of our reserves are on the Virginia's vein, and. Uh, uh, they're contained within about 4,500 feet of, uh, say, 15,000 feet of vein strike length, and, e and even more than that. Uh, we recently acquired the bluegrass claim, which, which I sort of think that may very well be a game changer for us in terms of, uh, you know, grade uh, access, easy access to uh, additional resources and whatnot. We plan a drill program on the bluegrass in the summertime. It's about $300,000 we've allocated for that drilling program. We, we hope that we'll prove up at least a year of additional uh, uh, resources, reserves kind of thing. Um, and we have the option of, uh, of other, uh, of, for instance, extending the 2000 level out through the, uh, the bluegrass claim. And you could easily, again, develop uh, resources and whatnot out that way and, and uh, uh, take assays of, the, you know, of our production development and, and, uh, or our development, I should say. So uh, that's easy. Uh, we do have a program, a three-phase program to the south. Uh, that we believe will uh, will prove up about 25 million ounces. Uh, you know, we have to do some work. We do have assays from that southern area, from the historic uh, um, mining that went on there in the early days. Uh, so we do have some information. It looks really, really good. Uh, so we believe that this is going to be a very long life mine, uh, and I think that's one of the, 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 the things here that people don't understand about this mine, is that it's not a six and a half year mine life. It's probably more like a 60 and a half year mine life. Uh, these mines typically run a very long time. Mines in this area ran well over 100 years, uh, and, uh, and they didn't run out of ore. 
at that those particular times. Um, Newmont um, uh, operated the Idorado mine. I believe it was something like 120 years. So uh, this this region is very prolific. It's a mining heritage. There were some 3,000 mines here in the heyday of, of the San Juans kind of thing. Uh, we are the only ones in the game. We have the only permitted mill. Uh, we have the only milling facility uh, in the area. There's other, other mines and other uh, potential operators, but uh, we're, we're the first in the, uh, in the class here right now. So you're on the runway to production. It still looks good for production this year, but when do you absolutely need to receive the debt facility to still make it into production this year? Well, we think that, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're on our runway right now. We're actually doing development. So that's, uh, as we do that, we're reducing the timeline to production. So, uh, you know, if we get our debt facility in place by May, June, I think we will still be in pretty good uh, shape for us to be able to uh, make production in 2020. And then in terms of growth beyond the revenue of Virginia's mine, you have the fully permitted Shafter mine in Texas. What would you need to see there in terms of your balance sheet within the company or the external silver price rising before you might do something with that mine? Well, the, the Shafter mine, it's fully permitted. Uh, there's a 1,500-ton-a-day mill sitting there. Uh, we've kept it on care and maintenance. Um, we completed a PEA on it, I believe, in 2017, an updated PEA. It showed about a 22 million NPV. Uh, I believe with a 48% IRR at $18.50. We would not, at this stage of the game, you know, given where we are with the silver price, uh, spend a lot of time on Shafter right now. It doesn't cost us a lot of money to hold it, um, but it, uh, you know, if we saw a silver price north of $20, uh, you know, and increasing, um, we certainly could, uh, you know, maybe uh, with some cash flow out of the revenue of Virginia's, and it's not a lot of money we're talking about here, uh, we would want to do some additional drilling uh, down there to prove up the uh, the ore body itself and fill in some of the blanks that we've got. Um, and once we did that, then we would uh, certainly do a, a, a pre-fees or a feasibility study on it. But we wouldn't do that till we got somewhere north of $20 uh, and had the Revenue Virginia's mine in operation. Focus being Revenue Virginia's, the, uh, the Shafter project is certainly in the pipeline uh, for growth uh, if we choose to do that. You're listening to Kevin Drover. He's the president CEO of Arcana Corporation. Website again is A-U-R-C-A-N-A.com, ticker symbol in Toronto, A-U-N in New York under the ticker A-U-N-F-F. I will be visiting the mine actually in about a month or so, a little over a month, and I hope to have some video footage that I'll be posting on my website and YouTube channel uh, to take you firsthand with me as we look at this mine firsthand and the highest grade silver mine in the world hopefully will be in production in 2020. Kevin, thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education and giving us an update. Thanks, Bill. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances 
uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns, as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.